Welcome to the Renegade Nutrition Podcast, where we discuss all things nutrition. I'm Eleni Welch, nutritionist. And I'm Kay Boyer, health enthusiast. Hello, Renegades. Hello, We're back. Renegades. Welcome to part two of um, Sugar, the Corruption of Sugar, I'm going to call it. I'm going to title it that. Okay. Is that okay? <laughs> Sure. <laughs> I was thinking we could call it the sugar cereal. Oh, the sugar. Oh, right? the it's like cereal a killer. Cereal, like a oh. series of things. We're and at, we're gonna, are you we're gonna S E R I A L E? Yes, that one. But then it's like a play on sugar cereal. Cereal. I love it. I love this. Here we are. Here we are. Happy podcasting with you wherever you are in your car. In your on a walk, whatever you're doing today, welcome. And Eleni has done a ton of research for us, still trying to convince me to cut sugar out of my life. Um, I'm so interested to hear it and kind of the conspiracy behind it all and why we think having a Coca-Cola every day is still an okay choice in life. <laughs> we do not think that. No, we do not. But as Americans, why is oh, that why? still accepted? Why? I yeah. thought you were saying we were going to talk about why we think that. Oh, no, like, no, no, no. <laughs> let me tell you, we do not think we that. We do not. We do not. <laughs> also, do we need to censor out the word Coca-Cola? I don't know. Okay. I don't think they're. I don't thing? think they're going to come after they're, us. They don't care enough about <laughs> two people in the I mean, I'd love Iowa. to think that Coca Cola is like <laughs> going to come after us. Warren Buffett's like, I'm not even worried right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if they do, good luck. Good. Good luck, good luck. coming to Iowa. That's right. You're going to freeze to death before you get to us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's good. awesome. All right. Well, hey, I'd love to hear more about all the history, how how America got to where we are at now, and what how uh, money plays a part in money. this. Money. The money. 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 All right. <laughs> we'll just jump in right in. Because as a forewarning, I have 16 pages of notes today, as Kay knows, because she printed them off for me. Woo-wee. Woo. And I think it'll go pretty fast, and I think it's very interesting, and Kay has to leave... <laughs> In some unrealistic amount of time. Yep, yep. <laughs> to pick up my children. Pick Let's up her see. children so they don't freeze to death. Yep. So, yep. so we'll see. She might have to bow out and I might finish it solo. So if she gets yep. up and leaves, we decided we would just forewarn you that that might happen, that she might have to get yep. up and leave and she's not having yep. like a, di- then, a diarrhea episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't want you to just get up and disappear off camera and never come back. Like either she's <laughs> deeply offended or she is shitting her pants. <laughs> Okay, but then I feel like you have no time restraints. So Eleni might take you on another three-hour history a of three hour <laughs> three hour. no. I'm gonna keep it oh, short because I don't I want it. you all to die of old age before I finish. Yep, yeah, <laughs> better that than <laughs> diabetes, I guess. So, okay. all right, let's hear this. Let's good hear stuff. it. Okay, so last week in our last podcast, what we talked about. Um, I introduced the concept of sugar and I said that I would break it down into the heart, head, hands, feet, where the heart is the why and the head is the what and the hands and the feet are the how. So this is our second episode and this is the what. So the what that we're going to talk about is the propaganda of sugar. Mm, I believe it. And why 
if we, as we talked about last week, if you haven't listened to our last episode, which was the very first episode on sugar, if you haven't listened to that yet, go back and listen to that episode because that's where I talked about how sugar is associated with all of the typical Western diseases, which when I say Western diseases, I mean heart disease, hypertension, diabetes, obesity, Alzheimer's, dementia, kidney disease. Number one killer all that of good the stuff. Western nights. So I'm not going to go through and list those every time. When I say Western diseases, that's what I mean. So I talked about how sugar and why sugar contributes to all of yep. those. Yep. All of those diseases. And so if we know, based on the research that I shared, that sugar contributes to all those diseases, why, why is sugar still around today? Why are we still eating it yes. why aren't we hearing that yes. message put from sugar in jail somebody yeah, yeah. don't let yeah. it out don't let it out and don't like, let it around my kids exactly <laughs> and why aren't we hearing about that yeah because really i think everybody knows everybody knows they shouldn't have sugar like that's not a secret but right. most people don't know why and so why yes. are we as a public still so uneducated on sugar yes amen how has it been kept a secret for this long yes Yes, I, I would say that is so accurate that I grew up like, oh, sugar's bad for you, but yet we have it in, in every meal. It's in every canned food we add to our Betty Crocker recipes. Like, it is infiltrated America. It's crazy. Yeah. Yep. So, if you joined us for our last episode, then you know that the book that I talked about most from was The Case Against Sugar by Gary Taubes. That was my inspiration for today, too. I... I pulled quite a bit from his text. He is a journalist. He's researched the food industry for decades. Mm, Behind the curtain. So here we go. Mm. We're getting into the journalism part of it. So this is the propaganda of big sugar. So that pretty much covered my first page. Let's get a bit of that. Yes. Here we go. Okay. So in our last podcast, we discussed the bounty of scientific evidence that shows that sugar is the primary contributor to the development of Western diseases. I believe it. So if science has demonstrated that sugar, not fat consumption, is the biggest problem in the development of Western diseases, why do we still hear from our doctors instead of, you know, eliminate all sugar? We're hearing eliminate fats, eliminate saturated fats, eat less butter, eat less red meat, eat less salt. Why are we hearing that message instead of eliminate sugar? Yep. So, there's a couple of factors we're going to talk about today. The first is bad science. Okay. Misinterpreted science and manipulated data, which informed early policies and opinions. Mm. Um, And there's a couple of things that we'll talk about with that. We'll talk about the big sugar propaganda and how it has done an excellent job of spreading their propaganda and funding any research that will prove their innocence. They have phenomenal marketing. Spoiler alert, even the FDA is in their pocket. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into that. I believe that. And then how leading health organizations such as the CDC, NIH, and WHO, FDA, have not put adequate funding <clears throat> into determining what is causing the epidemic of Western diseases. So those are the three reasons why we don't hear today so much about sugar and why we're so uneducated about it. Yeah, go. Yes, like why is sugar still in our schools? I don't even know. Yeah, okay. like why are kids? Yes, exactly. yes, consuming why? it in huge amounts, mass quantities. Mm-hmm. Okay, so starting with bad science. Okay. That's what I'm titling this section: bad science. So, in general, one of the biggest problems in medical research is that opinion is often swayed okay. by just a few individuals yeah. who are influential, yes. and it's equally swayed by a small number of influential studies. 
So no matter how many researchers or studies come up afterwards disproving that initial study or that initial opinion, it doesn't sway opinion. Okay. This is an interesting thing about medical research because in the science realm, we're taught to question authority. And that's one of the first things I learned in doing research is every, basically, even if you find a scientific experiment that shows that something like that there's causation between two things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like question everything. You should question it. Yep. And you could perform yep. a, a study and and disprove it at any time. So that's how science is structured, but that's not how medicine is structured. Um, and a single authority figure in medicine can carry undue weight. Please see Anthony Fauci. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> we just got censored. We just got censored. <laughs> Okay, so for example, in the history of diabetes, a few influential physicians, um, who I'll go through quickly with you, Elliot Jocelyn, Cyril Long, and Harold Hemsworth, contributed to the bulk of early diabetes research. I'm going to talk about these guys and their research. I've never heard of their names before, but that is, okay. Okay. Well, you probably haven't spent time studying diabetes. Fair, Fair. that is fair. (laughs) This is all true. So Jocelyn was one of the first physicians in the U.S. to specialize in diabetes. Okay. Long was a diabetologist Mm. and the dean of the Yale School of Medicine. Heard of that? Uh Uh-huh. And Long based almost all of his conclusions off of the research of Hemsworth. Okay. So Jocelyn was in the U.S., Hemsworth was in the U.K., and Hemsworth is the secretary of, was the secretary of the British Medical Research Council. Okay. Which is basically their version of the NIH, the National Institutes of Health. So that's kind of the British version of that. Okay. So Jocelyn became the single most early influential figure in the U.S. on diabetes, and his book, The Treatment of Diabetes Mellitus, is still today basically the Bible. Okay. And he started his research in the 1800s. Um, so in the book, in that book that's still used today, Jocelyn argued continuously that sugar was not the cause for diabetes, but that it was caused by overeating and lack of exercise due to mm. the invention of the automobile. Happened at the same time. In fact, Damn Ford. Fat consumption. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Not even diabetes. Like that, at least we all like really know that's yeah. linked. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but his he, was like sugar was not anything like, to do with it. It's fat no. consumption. Okay. So, okay. like, the reason that he said that sugar couldn't be involved in diabetes was because he didn't understand biochemistry. Okay. He was like a physician, not a biochemist. Okay. And he thought that all car- carbohydrates, in effect, were the same. So starch, grains, sugar. Like, okay. he thought they were all exactly the same. Okay. He literally didn't know what he was talking about. Okay. And he used a single population to form the bulk of his opinion, which was the Japanese population. And he argued that because they lived on a diet largely consisting of rice, rice which is and barley, okay. and diabetes was very rare in their population, that therefore carbohydrates and in his brain, sugar, were the same. could not be causing diabetes. So he's like, well, okay. they eat a lot of rice and barley and that's sugar, so they, that's why they don't have diabetes. Okay, but oversimplified. Yeah, okay. oversimplified. Okay. But then he even acknowledged that diabetes in the U.S. was raising in conjunction with sugar consumption. And Mm. he said, and I quote, such a marked alteration in the diet of a nation is noteworthy and deserves attention. The obvious conclusion would be to assume that the two, sugar and diabetes, must stand in relation. But fortunately, the dietary habits and statistics of diabetes in Japan would seem to save us from this error. 
So he's literally like looking at the U.S. and Look he's like, it, like, oh, the more sugar we eat, the more diabetes we get. Like but it. here in Japan. Must not be. No, must not be. <laughs> we, like, he didn't ever find out if the Japanese were eating less sugar, like actual yep. sugar, than right. Americans, which they were. They yes. were eating way less. They were eating the same amount that Americans had eaten like a century prior. Yes. Which was yes. way less, like a one hundredth of what we were eating at that time point. Yes. Yep. So he based all of his research, like over 40 years, he went back to that same single population, that okay. same study, That's and, and quoted, and that was his argument. Okay. Couldn't change Bad his mind. Just science. Stuck, just stuck his feet yeah. in the dirt more. Okay, yeah. got he it. literally just didn't understand the, the biochemistry of how sugar breaks down compared to more complex carbohydrates. Okay. So Jocelyn was in the U.S., Hemsworth was in the U.K., and at the same time, Hemsworth was arguing that a diet rich in carbohydrates was ideal for diabetics, mm-hmm. and that a diet rich in fat was likely the cause of diabetes, oh. and he based his assumption off of the fact that in order to treat diabetic coma, you have to give a diabetic sugar, and therefore sugar is good for diabetics if it revives them. Oh, fascinating. For reals. For reals. <laughs> and he said okay. that di- diabetic, diabetes rates rose in conjunction with fat consumption and a decrease in carbohydrates, which is funny because he literally had to just flat out reject data that he was studying okay. from populations like the Inuits and the Maasai who ate very high fat diets and had yeah. very low rates of diabetes. Yeah. Like he literally looked at that and was like, well, that doesn't make sense. So he just... You scrapped it. You can ignore it. Those are outliers. Okay. But they fully disproved his thought that fat caused diabetes and sugar didn't. And they weren't eating sugar. They were eating tons of fat. Um, Crazy. He also misread two studies on the Inuit population and came to the conclusion that they were eating carbohydrate-rich diets, which they weren't. He literally just misread the study and then based his research and papers in the UK off of that. This is funny. And he's like like sugary fish. Yeah. You know, yeah. Sugary. I think they're called the Swedish fish. Is that what they were eating? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, was, that was good. Those are actually healthy for That was you. a mom Swedish joke. Swedish fish. That was a mom joke. Yeah. So bad. So, so bad. <laughs> and then Long, who was the third researcher I mentioned, he based all of his conclusions off of Hemsworth. And then basically the three of them cited each other exclusively. Yeah. Um, and, and then they just kept feeding off of each other and they were the main Mm -hmm. leaders Mm -hmm. in the, in the field in the time of the early, like 1900s, the mid 1900s, they were the leaders in the field of diabetes. Everything they said was taken as true and they were just citing each other and they all Mm -hmm. were wrong Mm -hmm. in one way or another. Yes. Yes. This is how influence works. You just get the power and just keep talking. (laughs) Yep. Go, go. Cite yourself. Cite. Yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> cite right. the guy that agrees with you. Yep. And then what's funny is that later Hemsworth ended up realizing that fat couldn't be contributing to diabetes because he actually started reading the yes. right research. And then he came to the conclusion that the consu- this is him, a direct quote, the consumption of fat has no deleterious influence on sugar tolerance and fat diets actually reduce the susceptibility of animals to di- diabetogenic mm-hmm. agents. In conclusion, the more fat laboratory animals consumed to replace carbohydrates, the harder it was to make them diabetic. Okay. So okay. Then he was so like, he I became was wrong. A, he, he did. He yeah, like he, came he was to wrong. Jesus, if you will. He yeah, left. but it was too late. Like, public opinion yeah. was already formed. Okay. And okay. in 1971, Jocelyn's latest textbook was published and admitted any mention of sugar at all. So even though his buddy Hemsworth was like, hey, wait a minute. Hey, hey, yo. I don't think it's fat. Jocelyn was like, oh. 
Just forget you. Yes, yes. <laughs> and 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 people were still publishing textbooks, his textbooks, like long after he was dead. It's had like thousands of like that's crazy editions of it. Anyway, okay. And then in terms of heart disease, so that's diabetes and sugar. Okay. So that's some of the early misleading research that okay. formed that. Thankfully, sugar now is pretty, like, like we're yeah, aware. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how we, it took, but you can see it took so long yes. because of bad research. And that's an yep. underlying theme that we'll run into. In yep. terms of heart disease, we have Ansel Keys, who was a University of Minnesota nutritionist who was once on the cover of Time Magazine as the face of nutrition in America. Okay. And Keyes, you might be familiar with if you have kept up on any like nutrition research, he's responsible for the seven countries study, which is basically the okay. study that framed the medical opinion, opinion and that of the American Heart Association that dietary fat intake is what drives up cholesterol and causes heart disease. Okay. This That's one... where that came from, the seven... Okay, Seven this one is fishy. This one is not quite clear <laughs> it's not. in the future of... Okay. Yeah. Yes. So, unfortunately, all of Key's research was funded by the Sugar Research Foundation and the Sugar Association. You follow the money, you follow the Whoops. answer, you find the answer. Whoops. And I'm going to get into that a little bit more later. And the other interesting thing is that Key's, at that time, was famous for developing the K-rations, which were feeding the military during World War II. And those things were loaded with sugar. So if he was later doing research and found that sugar was causing heart disease, that would be a big oops on his part because he basically fed it to, yes. you know, hundreds of thousands of soldiers yes. in the U.S. So that would look pretty bad for him. Yes, so he had his own personal agenda for also exonerating sugar. Wow. Not saying that's why he did it, but it's pretty... Uh, incriminating that is crazy <laughs> not him thinking like this sugar thing is delicious i'm gonna tell everyone it's really good for you like what is yeah, yeah. crazy <laughs> okay yeah so in in 1957 the american heart association actually criticized key's research and other research on saturated fats and heart disease okay. and they said that it was like that that keys had taken on uncompromising stand based on evidence that does not stand up under critical examination. So they like tore his research apart. Okay. But then three years later, yes. for no apparent reason, with no new evidence or clinical trials, the AHA changed its tune and started an ad hoc committee of which Keys was now a member okay. and said that it was the best scientific evidence of that time. So suddenly they decided saturated fat does cause heart disease, even though like three years earlier, they're like, no, this is crappy research. Then for no apparent reason later, besides adding keys as an ad hoc member of their committee, they're like, oh, never mind. No reason that they are letting public is what it <laughs> mm -hmm. is. That? Okay. And unfortunately, through the 60s and 70s, we, you know, we trusted the AHA, the American Heart Association, to be this unbiased authority yep. on the issue of heart disease and they started doing their own research, and they insisted that because they were doing research to test the association yes. between saturated fat and heart disease, just solely based on the fact that they were doing that research, we should suspect saturated fat, and we should eliminate it from the diet. Okay. So, like, interestingly, basically it was like a guilty until proven innocent situation. Okay. And, like, this was the same time period, which isn't, we're not going to talk about in this podcast, but in another podcast, this was the same time period in which the vegetable oil industry was also trying to incriminate saturated fats uh -huh. as the cause of heart disease. Because when vegetable oils came on the scene, yep. suddenly heart disease started going up even more and vegetable oils were, like, getting the blame. And so they shifted all the blame to the um, 
saturated fat industry, which will yes, that, that's just that yep. all happened at the yep. same time, and, and so that, saturated fats really got attacked from a lot yep. of different industries, and that's also just following the money, <laughs> American crop. Yep, got yep. it. Yep. yep. So basically, the AHA by 1970, all of their clinical trials had failed to confirm in any way that saturated fat caused heart disease, but they still decided to recommend for every man, woman, pregnant woman, and child in the U.S. low-fat diets, even though they found no actual, like, improvement in cardiovascular outcomes by eliminating saturated fats. They're like, no, but eliminate them anyway. I'm, I'm going to become a nutritionist back in the 1970s and just say what I want and see if people follow. I'm going to say what I want. I would burn you. I would be convicted as a witch. I would be a witch. And, and these people pulled it off somehow. Creepy. And, and, and let's just, let's not gloss over the fact that all of their research was done in middle-aged men, okay. not in women or pregnant women, okay. or children. But okay. they still were like, oh, based on this research in middle-aged men, we're going to recommend this diet to everybody of every group, including pregnant women. That's crazy. That's nice. That's nice. Here we are today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the second big main point is big sugar propaganda. All right. So <clears throat> because fat is so high in calories, it is often blamed for excess calorie consumption. And one of the biggest things that the sugar industry has worked to do is promote the idea of the energy balance. Okay. Which is that like we consume too many calories and we don't expend Mm. enough calories and Mm. that's why we're fat. And to Mm. that point, they say that a calorie is a calorie. So it doesn't matter where you get your calories from. It's how many calories you're eating and how many calories you're working off. That's the idea they worked really hard to promote. And that is, I see that everywhere in in the diet. Everyone I know, it's like, oh, I'm just watching my my calories. Oh, did I get my calorie number? And doesn't matter quality of food, just quantity. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yep. So they are the ones who are basically responsible for promoting that idea. Well, they, yeah. Actually, Jocelyn. The okay. initial researcher we were talking about, he's the one who started that idea okay. in his bad research. Okay. <laughs> so because fat is high in calories, that's why it's blamed for the like excess calorie consumption. And basically, the calories a calorie promotes the idea that a calorie of sugar has no more influence on weight gain, obesity, or diabetes than a calorie of broccoli or olive oil or eggs. So literally in 1953, Domino Sugar advertised which is less fattening. And then they showed three teaspoons of pure domino sugar and then one medium apple. And they're like, the sugar is less fattening because it has fewer calories. So the sugar industry was actually promoting the idea that sugar was healthier weight loss than an apple. Mm-hmm. That is crazy. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> That's like mind blowing. I don't even know how to like talk back at that because I'm like, it's so crazy yeah because it's just so wrong yes but that is still prevalent opinion today okay Okay. so 1928 the sugar industry created the sugar institute and the sugar institute is the one who placed regular ads in newspapers and magazines that promoted sugar as a health food and and they used to basically like in those days they promoted sugar as like what would be today's equivalent of a probiotic or multivitamin like literally a health food like, it's going to help you have more energy. It's going to help you feel better. You're going to, like... Get diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be more productive. You're going to yes. be smarter. Like, that's literally... They said it could boost your immune system. No, 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 no. Boost your immune system and help you fight off colds in the fall and winter. 
And then it would make cold beverages more palatable in the summer and help you fight off heat stroke. No, no, no. So you're like giving your kids sugar thinking you're helping your kid. Helping their immune system. Oh, no. Whereas we know like today, sugar literally blocks vitamin C uptake. That's why. But it trashes your immune system. Trashes your immune system. Oh, no. And it's only what we're being fed. And oh, my word. And that's what you're hearing, right? And you're seeing those ads. So like the major... And and by the way, this was like before, like the internet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so people couldn't just do their own research yeah. and find out whether this was true or not. They were seeing it in magazines. They were seeing it in newspapers. They had no reason to question. Not yeah, right, right. And they don't have any ability to go and find those scientific journals that now we have access to. Yep. So right. You just listen to the doctor and do it. And, yep. Listen to the commercials. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So in the 1940s, nutritionists started to realize that sugar wasn't all it cracked up to be because a huge number of Americans were suffering from malnutrition with vitamin and mineral levels that were inadequate. And during the war efforts, as many as 40% of draftees were rejected because their teeth were so rotten. Like they mm. literally couldn't serve in the military because their teeth were rotting out of their head. Um, and because sugar has no nutrients and they knew that it was causing tooth decay, like they at least knew that. Mm-hmm. Then it started to come into the spotlight in a really negative way because they're like, well, it has no nutrients. No, All the Americans don't have enough, like they're not consuming enough nutrients. Sugar is an empty calorie and yeah. it's promoting this tooth decay. So basically they decided to, because they were going to ration sugar from the war, they were okay. they started promoting this message that sugar is bad. Okay. So the sugar industry just started, like they formed the Sugar Research Foundation in order to educate the government officials on the true story of sugar and try and get sugar back on our plates post-World War II. So their whole mission, like they said, this is a quote, what happens when the floodgates are opened at the close of the war? It will be readily seen that it is important not to have the mind of the American public poisoned against an invaluable and almost indispensable food, sugar. That was from one of the leaders in the Sugar Research Foundation. That is wild. Yeah. So they formed that foundation and they said they would, quote unquote, secure all known facts about sugar and its effects and need by the human system. So the goal was the defense of sugar as a food and the expansion of post-war markets for sugar. Okay. So they're like, oh, we're screwed. People are hearing sugar is bad. Now they're not going to eat sugar for a few years because it's being rationed. So what we have to do is start actively campaigning now to show that sugar is not unhealthy for you so that when the war ends and the like opportunity for sugar rationing ends, like we're going to make sure everybody buys sugar or we're all screwed. So crazy. And this is, by the way, the Sugar Association is made up of sugar producers. Yes. So like these right. are the people that stand to profit. Yes. Yeah. Always. So they're not, pe- it's not actually anybody who's interested in doing research into the health of sugar. It's right. people that are interested in, in selling their product. Yes. Yeah. So the funders of the research that they were funding included sugar producers, sugar refiners, and sugar processors. And then like, remember Ansel Keys and his anti-saturated fat research so this sugar research foundation is the same foundation that funded all his research well 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 and we know that their whole goal is the defense of sugar as a food so obviously his research was super reliable oh my word so by 1951 the sugar research foundation had distributed research grants to harvard princeton the california institute of technology mit and, and by the way, MIT's assistant professor of chemistry, Robert Hockert, Hockett, 
became the scientific director of the Sugar Research Foundation, which now is renamed, again, the yes. Sugar Association Incorporated. They keep changing their name, which makes it really hard to track through history. Yes. So that's fun. Yes. So he became the scientific director of the Sugar Association Institute, formerly the Sugar Research Foundation. And he fiercely defended the, the sugar industry. And in 1970, just as an aside, he also became the scientific director for the Council of Tobacco Research and did the same thing for tobacco. How, did he live to be like past 65? How's his body? <laughs> I hope not. How's his... We don't know. We should find out how he skin. I don't know. Is he glow or is he a little... <laughs> Good golly. And then it was later that found out that Hockett, in his role for the tobacco industry, threatened at least one researcher with a complete removal of his funding if the researcher didn't change the interpretation of his evidence to make it less obvious that cigarette smoke was carcinogenic. <laughs> so this is a super trustworthy guy. Yes, yes. Who is it. the scientific director of the Sugar Association. The scientist oh, okay. shaking is like, tobacco and sugar are healthy for there you. are you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Please don't fire me. <laughs> so the sugar... That's crazy. Yeah. So the SAI, that's what I'll just call it from now. That's the Sugar Association Incorporated, formerly the Sugar Research Foundation. Fuck you guys, man. <laughs> so that's I fought for the PR of sugar on multiple fronts, including arguing that it didn't cause tooth decay, and then they took on artificial sweeteners when Americans began using artificial sweeteners instead of sugar to promote weight loss. So they are actually the ones who funded oh. most of the research that showed that artificial sweeteners were carcinogenic. <gasps> no. Really interesting stuff. So I'm going to dive more into that. Not wow. saying that... Do, like the wolves fighting here. Yeah, don't. I'm not saying that that research is wrong. I'm just saying that is really interesting. So they were basically trying to really detract from sugar. So they were like, well, artificial sweeteners are causing cancer. And that got a lot of attention and it kind of pulled the spotlight off of sugar, which was convenient for them. Sugar is better than artificial sugar, I guess. But I mean, go eat a real apple. How about that? Go eat a real apple. Exactly. And then eventually the sugar association, they had to admit that sugar was causing tooth decay. Like there was too much evidence. Even the people that they brought in to like basically fund their idea that sugar (laughs) wasn't causing tooth decay. Like they couldn't even fake it. You can't even fake it. You couldn't even fake it. Yeah. Your teeth are brown. You can't. Yeah. So they were like, okay, so we're screwed. So we have to admit sugar causes tooth decay. So what are we going to do? So instead they switched tracks and they started funding research to promote ways of preventing tooth decay globally so they were like okay then we're just so because we don't want people to stop eating sugar so we're gonna find a way to help people with dental hygiene so they can keep eating sugar but they'll just brush these people are actually kind of brilliant in their perseverance yeah (laughs) so that was in the 1950s they started funding all that research on like promoting better ways to take care of your teeth And incidentally, the first toothpaste with fluoride in it was Crest Toothpaste, released in the 1950s. Oh, my. And fluoride in the water began to become popular during that same time frame. Oh, it's all connected. Okay. (laughs) Oh, my word. And then they launched into the Calories a Calorie campaign. They spent $750,000 on that in the 1950s, which in the 1950s was a lot of money. Yep. (laughs) Yep. So, and then they promoted the idea that this is a direct quote from them. Sugar is neither reducing food nor fattening food. There are no such things. All foods supply calories and there's no difference between the calories that come from sugar or steak or grapefruit or ice cream. That was their stance. Dude, I, I, if I was, 
alive in that time I saw those commercials, I'd be like, yes, I'm only eating ice cream and cookies, <laughs> and I'm only going to eat one for dinner. I am so healthy. Yes. That is insane. They spent $750,000 promoting that idea, which, by the way, was very effective. That's very effective. In, tr- mm-hmm. in truth, I know people today that people, still do that. Yeah, yeah. and they want to know that. Yes. Like, that's what people want to hear, yes. so they're going to believe it. Let me have my cookie. I just won't have very much of it. Yep. And yep. then they were, the, this was the same time frame that they were arguing that sugar, because it was so, like... Um, metabolize so quickly it could satisfy your your appetite really fast okay and so they said that sugar this is a direct quote satisfies satisfies the appetite faster than any other food faster even than larger portions of many other foods that supply far more calories so they argued that eating sugar meant you would eat less which, like, is totally ignoring the fact that when you eat sugar, you're hungry, like, 30 minutes later. Later, it's already through your body. Yes. <laughs> so maybe you eat less at that meal, but you're yep. hungry immediately after. And so you overall still eat more, which yes. was, they, they weren't going to highlight that part. Yep. Like, yep. Yeah, yep. That is very true. That yeah. is very true. And then yep. in the 60s and 70s, then that same sugar association was actively campaigning against diabetes to keep like the sugar association with diabetes and obesity out of newspapers and magazines. So in one example, crazy, an article by Jean Meyer, who was one of the most influential nutritionists in the U S blamed sugar for cavities and tooth, tooth decay yes, and obesity and type two diabetes they with the claim them. that sugar, they, yeah, they, killed <laughs> they, they probably tried first. Yeah. So they claimed that sugar was as addictive as tobacco and that article was set to be published in the Reader's Digest. So the Sugar Association gave a phone call to the editor of Reader's Digest, talked with him for an hour and a half, and then sent a three-page telegram to the managing editor claiming that Meyer's article was, quote, a scientific farce and a journalistic disgrace. Not one shred of substantiated admissible scientific evidence exists linking sugar to the death-dealing diseases. And the article was pulled. So, like, this is how crafty these guys are, is that any article that's about to be... And Reader's Digest was so popular. I mean, I remember my parents reading that. Yeah, right, right. So they're like, oh, this is going to be in front of millions of people, so we're just going to undermine this guy, go and say his research is basically BS. And he pulled it. He threatened something. They threatened somebody. I don't know what happened in that hour and a half phone call, but... It could have been Somebody a fly got, on the wall. Okay. threatened. Oh, my word. Okay, and here I am. I yawned once. I apologize if you're watching on YouTube. I um, need a little sugar for a pick-me-up. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I'm going to skip that part because that gets into it. But That is wild. So, basically, wild. eventually, they they formed another research branch. Like, the Sugar Association is just like... Anytime they failed to prove something, yes. they would form an, a new branch and give it a new name and try and, and do it. So eventually, yep. um, they started like so they they started the International Sugar Research Foundation, which was trying to disprove again the links between obesity, diabetes, 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 diabetes that's real, <laughs> diabetes, heart disease, and they were failing. And okay. so they pulled their funding. From that, and then they took back over control of research in the U.S. And then they decided they would get money to do their own research by <laughs> enlisting the help of Coca-Cola, Hershey, General Foods, delicious, General Mills, <laughs> yep. Nabisco, Lifesavers, Quaker Oats, M&Ms, PepsiCo, and Dr. Pepper. Mm-hmm. So the grandfathers of <laughs> the diabetes are all those. 
companies. Yeah. So all these companies with sugar-containing products now now they're going to help fund this research because the wow. sugar they association own the market. Yeah, they like, own they the market. Own the market. And the sugar association is like, you guys, you're going to be in trouble if you don't get involved. You need to help us fund our research because we're running out of money trying to do bad science, trying to make you guys look good. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So then they that hired. Is wild. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the big dogs. The big dogs. They still fund all of that research today, by the way. We'll get into that. Wow. So then the Sugar Association hired Ky- Carl Bayer. That's how I'm going to pronounce it. Bayer. Bayer. Who was a legendary PR rep. And they hired him to do a public health campaign establishing the broadest possible evidence, the safety of sugar as a food. So this famous PR guy begins his public health campaign You're to like, we establish. Need you. Yeah. So 1976, that campaign won the Silver Anvil Award which is the most prestigious honor in the PR industry for the forging of public opinion. So That is impressive. They literally won an award for how much they forged public opinion on sugar. That's awesome. It's it's, it's amazing. You know what? Good for you guys. Good for you. I mean, all of your grandchildren are now like, Fat and have sickness, but yeah. like good for you good guys. Good for you. Way to screw over all <laughs> those future generations. The, yeah. The American people. Uh, at least you want an award. Yep. <laughs> a silver anvil. And you want that. Okay. So then they enlisted the help of heart disease and diabetes experts, and that shaped the yes. American Diabetes Association's nutrition guidelines and took the ADA's focus away from sugar. So that whole campaign shaped the American Diabetes Association guidelines on sugar. This is great. Um, okay, kind of in line with this. You know the Tom and Jerry's ice cream, yeah. right? Um, did you know, and I um, heard another podcast on it. I will find a link and you guys can share it here. The owner of its son was like, golly, this can't be right. Like, look how sick my dad is. He had a ton of health problems. And he went um, and came up with a diet that goes against the standard American diet. Got healthy. The dad was always mad about it. The dad got so sick. He showed up to his son and was like, listen, help me out here. And the son totally revived his diet because um, the dad grew up Tom and Jerry. He had to, right? Yeah. Um, let me make sure I quoted that right, and we'll put it in the link link in the notes. Yeah. Um, but that's – anyway, I'll send the podcast. It's a really interesting listen, too. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like, you're not convinced – that this is a thing yeah. until you eat only ice cream and Nestle and Coca-Cola for a really long time. And then all of a sudden you feel like garbage. You're sick and you're dying. And you're yeah. sick and you're dying yep. and you're nearly dead. And then you're like, oh, maybe I should eat an actual apple or broccoli or heaven, like some something with fat in it. Like heavens. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So then the Sugar Association brought in Fred Stair who was the chair of the Department of Nutrition at the Harvard School of Public Health, who, like Keyes, had been funded in all of his research by the sugar industry since 1940. So this guy is the head of nutrition at Harvard School of Public Health, and he's being funded by the sugar industry. So they officially bring him in. And by the way, during that time frame, so like as his research was being funded by sugar, Stair had received millions of dollars of private donations from Kool-Aid, Tang, the National uh, Confectioners Association, Coca-Cola, uh, PepsiCo, nuh-uh. and the National Soft Drink Association. No. And he was in charge of studying the relationship between blood sugar, appetite, and obesity. Girl. Girl. No, 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 no. Which, by the way, he did get, like, busted. He did. that later. But okay. only after he forged public opinion on it. And already had his second house in Maui. And yeah, exactly. had all his money in his pocket. Yeah, they literally, those oh industries literally paid for a $5 million research facility for him. 
Oh my word. Can you imagine him going up to all his little science lab rats and him being like, Listen, y'all, I don't care the findings. You better make sugar look good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're like, but, but sir, uh, diabetes. He's like, shut your trap and make it look good. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just saying that's what's going on behind the curtain, you guys. <laughs> oh, shit. Yep. Yeah, and then Golly. Fred Sear is the one who drafted sugar in the diet of man. So it was this basically this whole, like, Piece, he put together this long transcript okay. on all the research in on sugar and obesity and diabetes and all of that, which was all funded by the Sugar Research Foundation. <laughs> yeah, and then basically sent that manuscript, Sugar in the Diet of Man, to the press, and then the press released it with a title, Scientists Dispel Sugar Fears. Mm. So they like the press then informed the public, hey, this really prominent guy from Harvard... He has told us sugar is not bad, so sugar is not bad. Um, <laughs> so then in Bananas. 1972, the FDA gets involved. So the okay. FDA is going to investigate sugar and review the science, both pro and con, on okay. sugar. But who is the head of the chair of the FDA's committee? George W. Irving, who is a longtime member and chairman of the International Sugar Research Foundation's Scientific Advisory Board. Well, okay. <laughs> Another member of the FDA committee was Samuel Foman of actually the University of Iowa, who had received funding Woo-hoo. from the sugar industry to study the role of sugar in infant feeding. So, oh. good. So, sh- more sugar-funded researchers, now they're in at the FDA, and they're ones who are on the committee to research the, the science this unbiased sugar. feels a little biased. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. And so the committee, guess what? They relied heavily on to make their decision about sugar. Yeah. Fred Stairs, Sugar in the Diet of Man. So well, this biased, well. tainted manuscript that he wrote did, like now this becomes their main source of research. Yep. And they declared sugar as safe. They declared it. It they must declared, be 19, true. 1986, <laughs> they officially exonerated sugar. They were like, nope. Sugar is the good guy, guys. Sugar is the good guy. Keep yep. buying it. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. Your Which, diabetes is not that bad, you guys. Just by the it. way, by the way, 60 years later, 2015, academic researchers are still doing the bidding of Coca-Cola, which funds the Global Energy Balance Network. Which is basically this huge, it's the GEBN, okay. it's this huge network of scientists and researchers okay. who are dedicated to proving the energy balance idea. This is insane. Okay, so as as consumers, we do have a part to play here. And if you are like me and you just know in your gut, like, yo, Coca-Cola is not good for you. I mean, this is like totally obvious, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as a consumer, we do have a part to play here, right? So, like, stop buying it. and you go, go with your dollars. Yep. Put your purchase power into something healthy and keep sustainable, healthy, all those things going. Oh, my word. We do have power here, friends. And you, you have, have power. power in your own life to not eat the Coca-Cola, to not feel bad yourself. Yeah. Okay. So, the GEBN argues, this is from their website, I pulled it, Mainstream scientists understand that obesity is caused by a calorie surplus due to overeating or under-exercising. There is strong evidence that energy balance is easier to sustain at a moderate to high level of physical activity. So conveniently enough, it's not about reducing the amount of Coca-Cola you're drinking, Mm. who's funding all of this. Mm. 
It's just about exercising more so you can keep drinking as much Coca-Cola as you want and not gain weight, which, by the way, isn't the main problem. <laughs> the main problem is all the other health effects that come with all that sugar consumption. Yes. yes. Which just, here's a fun fact. Yes. Did you know that Coca-Cola is the single most widely distributed product on the planet and is the second most recognizable word on earth? No way. After okay. 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 Number one, Coca-Cola. Oh my Number word. one is okay. Number two is Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. <laughs> so if I want to go to any country and make a friend, I just say, okay, Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. <laughs> They're going to understand you. They're yeah. like, they'll be like, yes, we yeah. love sugar. It's yeah. very good for you. I'm like, Coca-Cola. oh, no. They've not good, good for you. <laughs> yeah. They've done a good job. And actually, in our next podcast, we'll Brilliant. get into their marketing and their t- and the racism, the racism hot topic of the sugar industry. Oh, my word. How it's built on the back of slavery. Ah. And how it targets specifically black and Latino populations. So we'll get into that. Okay. That's our next episode. I am very interested in all of this. It's sugar. Like, and it's marketing to kids and how, anyway, how we create an entire generation of now early diabetic and obese children. So fun. The the ugly side of what, gosh, 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 gosh. Yeah. So I'm not going to get a ton into the energy balance. I was going to get into that, but I think... Basically, the reason energy balance is illogical is because it disregards the profound difference in effect that different macronutrients like fat, protein, and carbohydrates, what effect those have on metabolism, our hormones, our enzymes, our cellular health, our blood sugar, etc. So, like, it's basically that everything is fine in moderation approach, which we know isn't true. Mm. I mean, and in one sense, they're right. Obesity is caused by overeating certain foods yes. and lack of exercise. I mean, yes. those are factors, but they're... They're general. They're overgeneralizing. It. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. And yes. so there is a study. Maybe we can just link it with the podcast. I'll share okay. my notes on that. Yes. This time, because like, what do I have here? What have you got? I have fifteen minutes. Perfect. So I won't get into the study that disproves the energy balance theory, but one of the best documented cases of the westernization of a population is the study of the Tokelau. Um, which was an island in the South Pacific, which today has the highest prevalence of diabetes of any single nation in the world. No. So what? as of 2014, almost 40% of Tokelauans have been diagnosed with diabetes and two-thirds are obese. And so there's a really interesting study that gets into how they became that way. Wait, that's fascinating. Yeah. And basically, it disproves the energy balance theory because they, as they migrated and were studied over time... They started eating more flour and sugar, okay. but they started exercising way more because they actually, they were like a tribe. They weren't in these manual labor jobs. When they migrated okay. to mainland New Zealand, okay. they started getting involved in really manual jobs and the women started walking miles to work. Okay. So they're actually expending more energy, but getting fatter because they were eating more flour and sugar. And their system was like, uh, uh, yeah, uh. yeah, that's fascinating. And it wasn't more calories. It was simply more calories from sugar and flour. So we'll talk about that. I'm not going to like read through all of that because um, I want to get into the third thing, which is the lack of focus and adequate funding. And I think we can use our last 15 minutes for that. But I'll link to my notes on that study. <laughs> Look at this, like where that light is coming through. <laughs> right in your face. <laughs> work on that for next time we're gonna work on that you know what we're still having technical difficulties yeah we are we're like we're amateurs (laughs) this is fine just look at i'm glowing it's fine you are glowing Glowing. just your just your nose yeah Yeah. (laughs) 
Rudolph. <laughs> um, okay, so the third main problem, and the last one we'll talk about today, is lack of focus and adequate funding from leading health organizations, such as the CDC, NIH, WHO, who have not put adequate funding into determining what is causing the epidemic of Western diseases. Um, so this was really interesting. So we talked about Jocelyn, Elliot Jocelyn, in yep. the very beginning. Yep. So he was one of the first medical doctors to focus on diabetes. And I really like what he said. So in 1898, he established a private practice specializing in the treatment of diabetes. And in 1921, he wrote a paper describing the onslaught, onslaught, onslaught of diabetes as an epidemic. And he says, this is a quote from that paper. On the broad street of a certain peaceful New England village, there once stood three houses side by side. Into these three houses moved in succession four women and three men, heads of families, and of this number, all but one subsequently succumbed to diabetes. And then he suggested after that, that had these deaths been caused by an infectious disease, okay. Local and state health departments would have mobilized immediately to find out and stop the spread. So he says in that paper, Ooh. aren't we, isn't this pertinent? So then he says in that paper, consider the measures that would have been adopted to discover the source of the outbreak to prevent a recurrence if it was an infectious disease. But because diabetes was a chronic disease and because the deaths take several years to occur, Instead of a few days or weeks, they pass unnoticed. Amen. Boy, is that true. Amen. Because let's just talk about 2020 for a second. Because in 2020, for, there were, in deaths from heart disease and cardiovascular events, 690,822 deaths. Yes. 882 deaths, actually. Cancer, there were 500,098 932 deaths. From strokes, there were 159,050 deaths. From Alzheimer's, there were 133,382 deaths. From diabetes, there were 101,106 deaths. And from kidney disease, 52,260 deaths. So together okay. in 2020, yes. there was 1,735,612 deaths due to preventable chronic Western in, diseases. In America. In America. In 2020. So, like, let's just go back to what Jocelyn said about infectious diseases getting way more attention than chronic. So, there were 345,323 deaths due to COVID in okay. 2020. So, for every one person dying of COVID, five people were dying of preventable chronic, chronic. diseases. But what did we just spend the hey. last two years talking exclusively about? Amen. COVID. And now, look, like, I'm putting like some quotes around COVID deaths because anytime anybody died, regardless of the actual cause, if they also had COVID, the death was counted as a COVID death. Yeah. So I went into the CDC. They put out a document. It's 151 pages. It lists all the comorbidities of COVID okay. for all COVID deaths in 2020. And so okay. I went into that 150 page document Okay. and I did it in order to find like any time that um, like heart disease, hypertension, obesity, diabetes, okay. kidney disease, anytime those were chronic kidney disease listed as basically comorbidities, because okay. to me, that's that, as we discovered, that was the leading cause of susceptibility to COVID was yeah. having these chronic diseases. Yes. But I just want to find, like, I, I found this yes. whole section of yes. <laughs> about 6,700 odd COVID deaths okay. with comorbidities. Okay. That were ridiculous. Yes. 
So this is these are conditions people came in with to okay. the hospital that they're now saying that person died of COVID. Uh, yes, got it. But this is yes. what they came in for. Yes. Toxic shock syndrome. Okay. Comas, either from hypothyroidism okay. or a hypoglycemic coma or okay. a drug-induced coma. Okay. But they died of COVID. But they were there for a drug-induced coma. And the, they were saying, like, the cause of death was the COVID. COVID. Yeah. Okay. So this guy came in in, like, a drug-induced coma, and they were, like, tested him for COVID. And, and they're like, then oh, it's died. COVID. <laughs> like, they okay. died. Hemorrhage. Okay. Did you know, did you, apparently COVID is now making us bleed to death. Complications from labor and delivery. Okay. Newborn death due to birth injury, maternal use of drugs, extreme prematurity, respiratory failure, cardiovascular failure, rubella, Placental separation, microcephaly, spina bifida, congenital heart deformation, and spontaneous abortion. They put every one of those down to COVID. Under it. So. Making the villain. And this isn't just like one. This isn't like one. This is is 6,700 of these deaths I'm reading through. These quote-unquote comorbidities. Sudden infant death syndrome. Physical violence and assault. Apparently, that's what COVID is using to kill COVID us now. Does, okay. Traumatic head injuries and subsequent complications. By the way, there were 717 of these that were listed as COVID deaths. Okay. Yeah. And what they actually died from was a traumatic head injury. I didn't really, like, yep. COVID, now COVID, this is when they were wielding pots and pans and hitting us over the head. That's yes. COVID. Broken neck, back, and complications from those things, 345 COVID deaths due to a broken neck. Traumatic organ injury, including lung injuries caused by physical trauma, 775 COVID deaths. Open wounds, foreign body stuck in the respiratory tract, so like AKA choking. Yes, AKA choking, yes. 996 COVID deaths. Second and degree burns involving 50 to 60% of the body or exposure to uncontrolled fire or smoke. And this is on the page. CDC's reported. page. This is what they're saying. This was a quote-unquote comorbidity. So not the thing that killed the person. COVID is Crazy. the thing that killed the person. Crazy. Like somebody came in, multiple people. There were like 20 of these. Crazy. With burns across like 60% of their body, and they said yeah. they died because of COVID. It's COVID. Because COVID crazy. is killing us with fire now. Poisoning yeah. or adverse reactions caused by over-the-counter and prescribed medications, 669. So it came in having been poisoned by taking too much medication and it got listed as a COVID death. Crazy. Illegal drug poisoning. (laughs) Alcohol poisoning. That was like 200 deaths. Carbon monoxide and other toxic gas poisoning. I guess the alcohol poisoning makes sense. We were all getting drunk. Yes, because we had to cope with. (laughs) Suicide. Suicide. Either from poisoning, overdose, hanging, firearm, or jumping from a building. 52 COVID deaths. No. Somebody, multiple people, literally jumped from buildings, committed suicide, and their death got put down to COVID. Crazy. Now, I will say that really lends to the idea that the hospitals could get funding for writing it as a COVID, COVID death. death. Definitely, which that goes to show, again, mm-hmm. that there are forces behind the curtain that we don't see that are like, oh, money's at play here. Yeah. It's always money at yeah. play. Which we also, to say, we know that COVID was like, no serious, joke. absolutely. Serious. It has like flattened a lot of our family members that were like, "Oh shit," you know. Yeah. Like we're aware of how like serious COVID is. We're just wanting to shine light on the side of it. That's like, what are the things that we can do to help 
you know, like, less Be educated and Be know. educated on it. Yes, exactly. You should be informed because yes. this is what's formed our, po- like, our public policy. Yeah. So all this stuff around COVID. So I just, like, wanted to give these examples as it's ridiculous. Traumatic falls, car accidents, homicides, firearm injuries, struck by a mower, electrocution, lightning strike. These are literally all things that the CDC is listening to. COVID is the devil at this point. It's, it's killing us with lightning. War-related yes. injuries, and then this was my favorite. This is the last one I'll read. Medical procedure-related accidents, including complications from surgeries, injections, anesthesia, accidental punctures during surgery, failure of replacement parts or donor organ rejection, 885 that they said were all COVID death. Uh, Which is very convenient if you're the surgeon who accidentally like punctured somebody's lung while you were doing surgery and you're, you're like, like, oh, it's, it's COVID. Put it down to COVID. That was COVID. So I'm not like making light we're of any of those. COVID. Yeah. 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 Right, like, right. I'm not making light of those deaths. Those are all horrible ways to die. But I'm making light of the fact that where people put their focus, right. it's crazy. Yes. And the media has this tremendous amount of influence and this is just a modern day example of exactly why we are at where we're at with sugar because mm-hmm. it's yep. all controlled. Yep, follow the money, follow the control, So follow the propaganda. I yep. just wanted to get back to that because I'm going to take that 345,323 COVID deaths in 2020. I'm removing, I'm subtracting those 6,700 deaths this, that were obviously yep. not due to COVID. So we yep. end up with like, you know whatever, 300, I think I did my math wrong, but 340 some odd, 340 some odd thousand deaths due to COVID of which 54,092 had underlying hypertensive disease, 29,561 suffered from cardiac arrest, 46,966 had chronic heart disease, atherosclerosis, cardiomyopathy, and heart failure, 12,374 had cancer, 41,368 had diabetes and diabetic complications, 11,762 had chronic kidney failure, and 9,726 were morbidly obese enough for that to be listed as a comorbidity. 38,577 had Alzheimer's disease, aka type 3 diabetes. No way. So of those, like, some... 300 yes. and whatever I said. Yes. What did I say? 40 Three, something. Yep. 340 odd thousand yep. COVID deaths. A total of 244,426 deaths involved a Western disease directly. Okay. So like basically yes. 72% of COVID deaths had these underlying health conditions. Yep. And it's like we poured trillions of dollars. Trillions. Trillions. Yes. I think yes. it ended up being 3.4 trillion dollars into stay at home wear a mask wash your hands yeah like, but yeah social distance get a vaccine yeah and we pushing know that agenda, that agenda yep. instead of focusing on actually revealing helpful help helpful yep. Yep. health information yes where we could have been or like the individual um bodies ability to fight yeah exactly like why wasn't i thought it's from the beginning why weren't we pushing like Everyone get your vitamin D, your immune system, your whatever zinc, I don't know, whatever. You know that stuff more than I do. But get outside, exercise, get sunshine, yeah. like move your body. Tell Like, golly, no, that was never hinted Trillions. in the media. Trillions Not of dollars. Not once. Get extra sleep. Like, take care of your immune system. Never hinted at. And I just, like, the last Easy. thing I want to cover is that the NIH has funded those Western diseases. So the NIH has spent a total of $43.5 billion in 2020 
on okay. researching those Western diseases. Okay. They spent $267 billion total on research. So $43.5 billion of that went to researching those chronic diseases, that those Western diseases, which is 16% of the total amount they spent in health research. $57 billion went towards researching pharmaceutical interventions, including prescription drugs, vaccines, surgeries, clinical trials, etc. So that is 21% of their total amount they spent in 2020 for health, health research. $2 billion okay. went towards nutrition research, which okay. is 0.74%. Okay. 0.74% yeah. of yeah. their health research budget was spent on nutrition. So basically what we can conclude is that the NIH, the National Institute of Health, does not consider nutrition an important part of health research. 0.74% of their total budget for researching health okay. went to nutrition. Okay. Which, by the way, the U.S. government just spent $3.5 trillion. Let's just revisit that. Yeah. $3.5 trillion, trillion on COVID. And we spent $2 billion on nutrition research in 2020. So I just want to say <laughs> we're not putting money into getting the answers because right. it's not lucrative. Right. Right. It's, to eat, yeah, go eat um, apple is not making a lot of people money. Yeah. And yep. if you are researching, like, nutrition as an intervention, you just are not going to get funded because the right. NIH only has 0.74% of its budget yep. to fund your research. So, yep. anyway, all of that, I wanted to go through all of that. I wanted to take a minute and refocus us on what you hear on the news, as I just demonstrated from the 1900s on, what you hear from newspapers, magazines, Social media, yep. the news, commercials, yes. it's not its not always always what it seems. What it seems, And it right? is powerfully swayed by yep. the industries that fund it, the sugar industry being one of the primary industries. Yep. Follow Coca the money. Coca-Cola is funding everything. It is crazy. Including the FDA. So. It is crazy. <laughs> and that is one thing, again, to say, like, we know how serious COVID is. And, COVID is, and that's why we're like, make sure your body is a host that can fight it off and be healthy and strong the best you can and instead of putting yeah. money into telling everybody to stay home and wash their hands and get a vaccine why don't we put money into actually promoting health initiatives because um, we could have saved like those three hundred and fifty thousand lives last year yeah. if we weren't so chronically ill right but Yep. The government is not interested in keeping you healthy because that doesn't make them money. I know. Isn't that crazy? And I am like, wouldn't it be so neat if as a nation, we now as Americans, you probably know the stats, we are not healthy at all as a nation. We are fat, sick, and nearly dead. Love that one, that documentary too. Like we are not healthy. How cool would it be as a nation if we all got healthier? I would think our politicians want that. I Whatever. It, it, it doesn't make money, so who, whatever. But it's yeah. like, let's as renegades, be our own healthiest nation that we can as individuals, as in our own homes, as our own choices. It's just crazy. And remember, you vote with your dollar. Yep. That's how you influence change. You vote with your dollar. So yep. next episode, we're going to talk about how, if you have problems with sugar, Yep. if you are a sugar addict. Which I still do. <laughs> or if yep. you just consume sugar in regular amounts, how to reduce your intake of sugar, how to eliminate sugar from your diet, and how to do that in a sustainable yep. way that contributes to a healthy lifestyle. We're not yep. talking about crash dieting. So I'm going to give you all the tools you need. We'll talk about 
how to get sugar out of your life so that you can be your healthiest self possible. Yep, a practical guide. Follow along. We've got a lot of good resources ahead for you. Yeah, so tune into our third episode. I think we went more than your 15 minutes, but here we are. I'll go get my kids. All right, thank you, Renegades. Thank you, Renegades. See you next time. Go eat an apple or something but follow it with some saturated fat right so that yeah. it doesn't you need fat sugar. protein yep. we'll talk about that next time Squeeze some fat. thank you for listening to the renegade nutrition podcast follow us on all social media platforms and on our website the renegade please keep in mind that all the information given in this podcast is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice diagnosis or treatment Kobe Renegades.